Hello. Jamie Catto is an author, a filmmaker, and a musician who runs transformational workshops for those of us who really want to learn to be more real, uh, more authentic, uh, more vulnerable, more tender, and more intimate. And that's really why I wanted to talk to him about connection. I followed his work for the last year throughout the whole of the pandemic, and um, he has a really beautiful way of facilitating us to become uh, ourselves more. So I hope you enjoy our conversation and find it as inspiring as I do. Um, film that I saw before the lockdown was, um, you know, your screening of the Ramdas film Becoming Nobody at uh, St. James's in Piccadilly. Oh my God, what an amazing evening. Uh, my girlfriend and I um, came down and it was, I think, mid-February, was it mid or late February? Literally a few weeks before the first lockdown. And um and I'd only just found out about Ramdas, which I found only really just found out about you, which I found really strange because uh, of the similarities with our musical background and uh, going traveling far and wide on sort of uh, missions to do with uh, fathers and, <laughs> and all this sort of stuff that I really related to um, when I watched it. Um, and there was one thing in it, as you know, you know, I'm sort of uh, working on a project happening for quite some time about connection and technology and whether or not it's good bad or you know and everything in between and there's a bit in the film where Ramdas said um, like the spiritual trip isn't in some cave in the Himalayas or something it's actually you know it's in relation to the technology it's literally he said that when he said it I, I kind of went oh Right, that's a good thing. I should definitely try to talk to Jamie about that one day. And um, and it's funny, it's taken you know, just over a year um, for me to get through my version of things. And so just as a kickoff, um, mm. do you fancy talking about that? And I mean, you've done so much in-depth study into um, Ramdas and now Connection. Every time I see your Facebook page, it's, you know, Connection and Intimacy. And that's exactly what I'm here to um, explore yeah i guess there's like two prongs to you know the activism path um in a, the inner journey the twin trail we call it you know the the that everything i'm trying to fight or or serve out in the world mirrors something in my own heart and something in my own individual path that needs looking at there's no con there's no um what's the word i'm looking for it's like synchronicity Coincidence. Coincidence. Fuck, I'm so scared. My brain. Is that the one? <laughs> Is that the one you were looking for? Yes. I thought so. Yes, oh, go on. Jesus, help me. Thank God you did that. That would have fucked me up all day. Okay, <laughs> I was thinking. Was I, I know. I, I may seem but silent. Anyway, I was thinking. Oh, so yeah. The relationship to the technology, the relationship is like when you're being, uh, you know, if, if your notion or your criteria of spirituality is to be in service to the planet and to be in service of easing the suffering of those around you, your fellow humans and, and yourself, yeah. then of course it's, it's, it's not about sitting in a cave for 25 years in the Himalayas and removing yourself from the game. 
it's about or maybe it's about immersing yourself deeper in and feeling the agony and feeling the suffering and feeling mm. you know so much of people's spiritual path for them is about trying to just remove their discomfort trying mm. to sort of get better at feeling chaos get better at the chaos of the mind get better at all the wounding and heal all the trauma and it's just really i'll get spiritual so that i can feel more comfy um and the next level of that is actually you realize the only way out is deeper in and if you want to serve yourself and you want to serve culture that you can't remove yourself from it and say well i go to a yoga class and i do meditation and i don't deal with any darkness or any shadow i'm a light warrior um, you can't amputate the full spectrum of human humanity mm. which includes we all have greed we all have neediness we all have anger we all have all these things um, and so immersion and turning towards is what i feel passionate about like whether we yes. do the workshops like transforming shadows it's not trying to mm. get away from all these parts of ourselves and other people that are troublesome it's about how can we turn towards them and be inclusive about them. And the and way to be inclusive in our culture isn't about going off to the Himalayas. It's about relating to Facebook and the problems of social media and the problems of bullying and the problems of isolation and disconnection and addiction and trauma that are running rife and totalitarianism. It's about like meeting that stuff, um, hopefully in connection with other like-minded people, um, if you want to try and affect change. But then there's another level to it, if you want to go sort of deeper, or maybe not deeper, maybe to the side, which is, is there any point in doing that at all? Is it just pissing in the wind in the sense that maybe we're busy colonializing suffering or the ease of suffering as white privileged men that just want to do something, when really the truth is that it's meant to be difficult here. It's meant yeah. to be challenging. And us trying to solve it is missing the point and that we're trying to remove the shark from the Universal Studios Jaws exhibit <laughs> when really they're just going to mend it with another Jaws because people are supposed to go on this ride and be shit scared. Mm. You, so, so, much of your, so much of your work is about embracing that shadow side of ourselves. And, 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 and I'm assuming, I haven't read so much about um, that part of your work, but it's, a, it's got a Jungian side to it. Uh, a, 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 yeah, I mean, of, I haven't uh, actually checked out very much Jung. I wish I had. You know, like I, I read the first few chapters of Memory, Dreams, and Reflections, but I definitely have seen certain memes on Facebook where it said, you know, like it's very much an idea of like turning towards in the cave that you don't want to go into is the Joseph, Joseph Campbell sort of thing is where you'll find yeah. the treasure. It's turning towards all the things you want to avoid that is where the healing is. Uh, which is what makes your work really refreshing, uh, because certainly in the last year online, there's a there's an awful lot of um, offerings of of trying to help us all manage our lives, uh, but quite often by demonising the sides that you're asking in the work that you do, that we embrace, get to know. Um, the, 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 I love that um, uh, phrase that you said about fears aren't dragons our fears are actually chalk drawings of children's chalk drawings of dragons which i thought was just a, a really wonderful yeah. way to describe it we we give a lot of um uh, meaning to that especially in our younger life when we're not aware of how powerful there'll be setbacks for us uh, when we get older um can you talk about that a little bit about that idea of how much power yes. we give to the the negativity and, and uh, that we 
you know, that we start off with quite often. Yeah, I mean, as children, we are taught immediately that certain parts of us are welcome and certain parts of us aren't welcome. And it's so traumatic and we're so intent on keeping the love lines open that we begin editing ourselves down when we get feedback that our anger isn't welcome or this or that, or even our excitement isn't welcome. And so we go, oh, well, I'm not an excitable person. Oh, I'm not an angry person. And just hide it away in what we call the shadows. Shadow work isn't about shadows being your dark side. Shadows is the hidden away in the shadows side. It's the hidden Mm. side. That's what shadow means in that context. People don't get that. They think, oh, I'm going to do my dark shadow stuff. No, (laughs) it just means hidden. And a lot of beautiful things are hidden in people's shadows, like their comfort with their body and sexuality or their excitement to bring Mm. an idea because they don't want to look like an attention whore. So a lot of our beautiful sides go into the shadow as well. But whatever these parts of ourselves we've edited away, we did that choice when we were four, five, six, seven, eight years old and Mm. live religiously by those choices ever since. And that's why I do what I do, because they were often mostly immature conclusions we made. Oh, I can't be seen like this. I can't be seen like that. And and because we never look at it again, because it was so painful and so traumatic at the time, those parts of ourselves grow in, in our imagination into phantoms. So when anyone actually drags us to a place like that in our lives or something comes up in our lives where that part of ourselves come up, we're like in total denial of it. No, 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 I'm not. You know, we're like terrified of those parts of ourselves. We've built them, like like you just said, into dragons, you know, like these huge part of them just to terrify. What would, that's why public speaking is, is rated above death. Um, in people's fears is like they've built this exposure idea and this vulnerability idea into this vastly disproportional thing actually standing up in front of people even if you screw up it's not going to fucking kill you we we treat it as if it's like a million times bigger than it really is so that's the thing that excites me on doing these shadow workshops and other insanely gifted stuff is that even though in our imagination because we haven't dared look at it again since we were children these are huge things that are absolutely mortifying and I couldn't possibly, it's total bullshit that actually when you get together with a group of people who feel safe with each other, aren't triggered and are willing to have a bit of a laugh about how crazy we all are and be, be real, be a bit lightened up. When you turn towards these huge phantoms, you one glance at them, as you say, they, they're like little chalk drawings of dragons and they, they're, it's a total illusion that all this kind of self-work and all these parts of ourselves that are so traumatized, they're so much smaller when you turn towards them. It takes so little curiosity and so little effort mm. to get back huge treasure. Have you um, come into contact with, um, you know, sort of codependency and coda and stuff like that? Massively, like certainly no. in my life, you know. Yeah. I get like my disproportionate thing is that, you know, like many people in relationship, the belief that when you're in a relationship, that if they ever left you, particularly for someone else, life would be unlivable. Yeah. You would die. You know, you need them to feel okay. Mm. And the truth yeah. is, it would be awful for a couple of months, maybe even a couple months more, but we've all been through it and we all got yeah. out, got through it. Do you know what I mean? Like so many dependencies, again, are blown out of proportion beliefs from the traumas of our childhood when we when we really couldn't have survived on our own. And once we're in a love or relationship with someone, it starts awakening all our parental wounding and we start treating them as the parent we're desperate for rather than just another person. Yeah, I I did in 2019 just um just before the you know everything changed in the world. I attended two workshops by Ken and Mary of the founders of Coda. 
and mm. um and that was a, it was i'm really pleased i did it just before everything changed you know because it's been a lot harder for for many people dealing with issues mm. um i mean you're a great resource for anybody who's feeling that they can do a better job of managing themselves and their lives uh you mentioned two words in talking about uh your work which is you know it's really honest looking at the self and and like you say where we're beautiful and how we can uh unhide that beauty um but the two words that i picked up on were editing editing ourselves and uh and colonizing and it's really interesting because they're two words that have come up in um my studies of social media a lot of the books i've been reading about how tech is affecting behavior there's the idea of data colonialization and um, editing ourselves via very very strange apps all the time uh, not all of us but i think fair to say i think it's about two billion people isn't it now on facebook and instagram mm. what's your view really of of when you've done such a, a lot of work uh in terms of how how we behave uh, to each other and ourselves and uh, i know there's a lot of self-love at the heart of your work mm. how do you um your day-to-day -day sort of uh what's the word navigation of the facebook's or the twitters or any of that thing i think for a, a lot of the people that i will be sharing this with are people that will want to know how you get that balance between really self-care self-parenting and having to navigate the digital space at the same time well one thing i find entertaining because i don't feel so governed by what will people think or, mm. or maybe i do in an inverse way but i don't know but one thing i find fun is to keep popping the holiness bubble to keep showing up in the mess and be an embodied permission slip so that other people that see my stuff they go oh he's messy he's willing to share his vulnerabilities or his fallibility so that makes other people feel a bit safer to share theirs. You know, that's number one. As a teacher at the front and as a on social media, I don't groom it that much. Uh, there are certain areas which are a bit more groomed than others. You know, certainly, you know, you can't show up at, when you're doing a workshop for L'Oreal or Google and look like a hobo. You know, like there is a certain, you, know, you can't do it just to be needlessly rebellious. Sure. Um, so showing up in a lot of the mess and being a vanguard and a representative of fallibility and vulnerability and messiness um, is one thing I do that I feel really into. And I feel that my club or my cult um, of people are very much a bunch of walking permission slips for being messy as well as tidy, being mm. in pain as well as in joy, you know, the, the full spectrum of the human experience so that we can all feel safer, not so deviant, to expand into that yeah um, the other thing i do is i'm very very boundaried about how i'm willing to be communicated with mm. uh, so just because i'm a sort of self-development teacher um, it doesn't mean that i've got such thick skin that i'm going to tolerate people being shitty to me uh online you mm. know so i'm i'm quite self-protective because i'm actually very sensitive so if somebody comes on and they like they did recently, right? You've really got the blinders on. You should call your thing shallow work, not shadow work. And was like quite nasty. I blocked that person, and then actually now this person is emailing me and harassing me, saying I'm going to make it my life's mission for everybody to realize that you're a fake and that you're, you know, like there are nutters out there. So 
one of the things I'm is I'm actually quite self-protective and boundary that I do require people to re- to to be respectful, not reverent, but to 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 embody a bit of nonviolent communication and responsibility. You know, I'm quite kind of quick to block people if they're hardcore, you know, like cruel or mean or you know unkind. Um, Would you say uh, you're setting your own terms for how you uh, exist? Very much. Like I, I think boundaries are the most important thing. If you're going to put yourself out there vulnerably, as I do, mm-hmm. it has to come with actually quite clear boundaries on what I will and won't tolerate, you know, what mm-hmm. I will and won't expose myself to. And I feel okay about that, even though some other people have to feel a little rejected sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to have to police and educate everyone on how I, how to speak responsibly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm quite I strict think- about I think it's wonderful that you do that, and um, and you've got a lot of uh, you've done a lot of work, you know, yourself, uh, and are very self aware to be able to do that. What do you feel about um, you know those um, the kind of people that haven't uh, had the fortune to delve deep into that side of themselves yet, and are in a way kind of at the mercy of the way that the tech. Yeah companies and the algorithms want them to want all of us to behave because we're just a product that keeps their advertisers happy and uh, yeah. that side of it um when i've listened to you talk about this stuff about boundaries i thought gosh it would have been really good to learn that at school you know yeah I know. it sounds like a really progressive bit of education which we could we could uh, start at an early age um so yeah what i mean if you had to give advice uh, about that to other people what, what what would you suggest well i don't think that my advice is going to get very far there are things like that i wish that could happen like i wish they would turn the algorithm off one day a week so that everybody could get in their feed a randomization of not just things that, that they agree with <laughs> that's a great idea i love that um you know i think that would be important for culture because we're becoming more and more polarized because you know the tag words show that i'm interested in fa- saving the animals from factory farming or i'm interested in um trauma relief and things like that or i politically i'm you know hoping that there's not too much control from big brother through the lockdowns and stuff so i get lots of things which agree with me i read that them. post of yours uh both of them i thought and i think you were really brave and uh, and held your own in some difficult territory on your It's thread. amazing the extrapolations and interpretations people took from that post mm. that just were so not intended. You know, people they mm. say when the pickpocket sees the Messiah walking down the street, all he sees is his pockets. You know, people will only see their own version, like as if I was saying, don't wear masks. I didn't wear, didn't mention masks. I still actually, I'm an advocate for everyone being very careful while we're not sure. We might suspect that it's Big Brother and Bill Gates and nano robots. We might suspect that the whole thing is a pandemic and that we might have very strong suspicions, but while we're not sure, let's wear masks and wash our hands. You know what I mean? Let's not be so arrogant that we're sure. You know, I've got some very close friends who are nurses on the front line and they're like, mm. this is real. Yeah. You know, like they're, we're dealing with people dying every day. We're risking our lives. Mm. So when people are sort of like, I'm marching for my right to not wear a mask, it's like, I think those people are a bit stupid. Like it's, imagine we're so, we're so sure of ourselves. We're so egocentric that, that if we were in World War II, I'm sure the same people would be marching saying, I'm not going to black out my windows. I'll keep my, my curtains open to the world. Why are they trying to close us all in? And then mm. everyone would have got bombed and your neighbors, you know, like, yeah, it's I think very complex. Well, we don't for sure know. Mm, it, it, so it's anyway, a... 
you asked me like i guess you know my my advice or, or what i would where i would direct my efforts is just I suppose, can i rephrase the question because it's actually to a bit inspired from your the, the the last post that you did which was about very specifically connection and intimacy and mm. i think still one of the hardest things to uh replicate in a digital space in the way that you mean it you know in a real human connection um yeah. that how not to lose that um i don't necessarily think it's yeah, about well, stop editing yourself hmm. but i would say like you know my kids i don't know if you've got kids but all the kids yeah. right now they have two instagram accounts they Eat. have their their normal one where they're very groomed and they only have pictures of themselves looking good and, and a safe one but they have a spam account which is for their super close friends where they can look ugly and and who they really are you know like fallible and messy and and stuff wow so they have two different they're already developing themselves as a brand as the one for the public that is groomed and for the one for their mates which isn't and i'm kind of to them i saying i understand the one for your mates mm. why you maintain that account what's the other one for and they don't really how old are they how old are they teenagers but you'll find all teenagers do this now they have two instagram accounts one for the general public that's groomed one which is less groomed for their mates and that's Mm -hmm. very worrying so you know my mission is is as i said to get people caring less about what people think or caring less that that they've got to be so groomed Mm. i i just really you know my advice or my hope is that people use less apps that make themselves beautiful use you know when you go through your photos what we do is we d- delete all the ugly ones and keep all the ones where we look good so we're constantly in this like even not f- for instagram even for our own photo collection we're constantly editing life to be the rosy version and editing away the edgy ugly messy version even in our own lives we're constantly presenting the beautiful and of course it's primal you know like i'm sure that we all realized as cavemen that you know this was a good thing to do you know like it was probably in some ways a survival thing to procreate the species you know i'm not i'm not i'm not saying it's an easy thing to do but in in the longevity of having been doing that mm. we're losing the dimension of our humanity and we're losing permission to be messy and permission to be mentally ill and permission to be traumatized permission to be all the things which we actually are and that permission lack creates suppression and hiding and as we all know from dr gabor mate and all the other experts mm, suppression and hiding leads to addiction and more mental illness and suicide so the probably sensible thing of presenting the beauty and presenting the rosiness which has a good point to it has gone so far that it's now created dislocation disconnection mental illness and alienation so we need to now bring back the messy bring back the mm. fallibility and somehow what i have dedicated my life's work to from a workshop and an author sense and facebook influencer sense is to try and encourage just that is to bring back the whole dimension of your humanity and get rid of perfectionism that's that's wonderful and i have the same hopes myself do do you think that um sometimes it's hard you have to kind of time travel to look at what we might all be going through in terms of technology and tech communications in particular. Do you just think this is like a really bad bit of its infancy or do you think uh, that we're going to have to fight to get out of it? You know, because there's well, a lot of it. Have to, 
usually things we're going to get out of it when it's so bad that we have no choice you know that's mm -hmm. usually um if it happens at all you know they know i'm sure you know you've watched the movie the social dilemma and it's it's and that, that it is all being run by algorithms and the worship of quick money and we people are happy for society to collapse mm. as long as they can still keep worshiping quick money and groomed facebook you know making your skin look nice apps and twinkly things i hope that we will realize in time and start putting in boundaries that mitigate the negative effects mm. um i'm surprised there isn't already a freely available app where we can limit our children's screen time i mean it does exist but mm. it doesn't seem to be mainstream enough i think there is one out there somewhere where you should just be able to to have a link to your children's phone or device two hours it switches itself off you know yeah and they can they can have two hours of it a day or however much you decide is a reasonable amount mm. but they have to budget their time i think we need time budgeting apps for the kids um yeah. and uh, but you know it doesn't seem to be happening with runaway worship of quick money capitalism and i don't see it happening in runaway time stealing social media and they're quite happy that fake news travels six times faster than real news mm. And so therefore people are, are actually losing track now with what's actually true. One of the fundamental cornerstones of us being able to feel any kind of stability as humans is to have a consensus of what, what is truth. Yeah. And when you take that away, fuck knows what's going to happen. And that is now dissolving through the Trump administration and alternative facts and through the algorithms that are sending fake news and no one knows, is it COVID? Is it Big Brother? Is it mm. Bill Gates? Is it nanorobots? Is it actually a disease? Um, now nobody, no, no one feel, can feel secure in just like a base level of truth. Mm. And that is the super alarming thing. So I'm just hoping that we will bring back our consensus of at least of what truth is what at truth. some point. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem to be going in the right direction right now. A friend of mine who's a Buddhist monk in Thailand, uh, who's also going to be a guest on this show and uh, we'll have a chat. Uh, 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 he suggested recently to me on a Zoom call uh, that it might be interesting if everybody, if all of us were just to swap each other's uh, login details and start to look through the digital space from each other's points of view uh, because it's he's, he's really clear that we're locked into what we're allowed to see and what we're meant to see and what they think we want to see you know what the you know the programs of Facebook and all those sort of apps think that we're there to see um, and it, it's obviously a very radical thing to do in practice but it's an I, I what do you think of that idea um, apart from the fact that it's it would be you know frightening to open up all your private uh, information to other people but really would it be because it's already I think there. in the long run it would be healthy for society both but given how terrified people are even of speaking in public let alone having not being able to groom what is seen of them everywhere i don't think it's ever going to come near to happening no um what uh, do you actually uh, think of the big tech companies themselves do you see that some, some like futurists that I know 
uh, just sort of see uh, Facebook or Google or Apple. As, I think they all began um, with good intentions. Yeah, but no one can resist the big money, and the and the short the laws which limit doing anything that doesn't give big money to the shareholders. So, I don't believe that they began as evil. I just think that they've created something quite evil and are willing for it to carry on being that way because of the money, mm. like abattoirs. I don't believe the people that started abattoirs and factory farming were thinking, how can we be disgusting and evil to the animals? I just think they were thinking, how can we be more efficient? There's lots of people that want meat. Oh, here's a good conveyor belt system. And then all okay, in little increment by increment, we've now got a daily holocaust of 185 stadium-sized factory farms in the UK mm. uh, that everyone has to t- just turns a blind eye to. It's not because they're evil any more than the people that allowed the Nazis to carry on it's just easier for them to look away and take the money and eat sliced turkey sandwiches it's easier than to bother doing anything about it mm. well uh, thank you for for just sharing um you know your feelings about all these issues sorry if i wasn't very optimistic um i just came out of another meeting which is an organization to ease suffering in the world and right at the end of it somebody said something a bit snarky to me and it made me think, God, these are the 12 people that are trying to do an organization to ease suffering in the world. And even in this group of a think tank, someone's being passive aggressive in the first 15 minutes. It didn't make me feel very optimistic today. But I am actually much more optimistic. I hope, um, you know, I do think. Oh, you are. Your work is optimistic. And what you know, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. I sort of put things on it, but I don't spend any because it's not good for me. Um, because I'm also really sensitive and I, and I, and I just, I can't, you know, something will just, I'll go, why am I in this mood? Oh, because of something on Facebook, you know, but I love seeing your posts apart from the fact that you speak really gently and and it's always very peaceful to bump into one of your posts. Um, yeah, I thank you so much for having me and including me and, you know, know, very happy to come back and and not be so rushed. Um, and yeah, Come to one of the course and come to one of the gatherings, you know. I will. I we, gatherings was, a week. They're so beautiful. The Saturday so 11 o'clock. Heartbreakingly incredible. And they're yeah. free. 11 a.m. Saturday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Just come and just have shared beautiful connection and presence. They're not woo-woo people. They're everyday, unpretentious, lovely people. Just I like people. woo-woo people as well. <laughs> yeah, me too. But like, you don't need to be put off. It's very everyday. Yeah, no, I'd love to, and um, and yeah, just uh, just keep posting them because I, I I just missed the one that was on last Saturday. I'd love to to take part. And, Always and welcome to. Thanks for having yeah. me. Thanks for your work. Thank you for yours. Take care. God bless you. Bye bye.